Amen. Well, good morning. I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are new here this morning. My name is Alex. Really delighted if you're joining us here for the first time, whether you're in person or online. We are here to sing the good news of a God who doesn't fail. And it's uh, good news for us, good news for all of us here this morning. If you are new, welcome, welcome, welcome. What we're all about is really simple, connecting. Connecting people to God, connecting people to each other. So together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things, again, either in person or online. Week two of a series called The Way of Wisdom. Here's the problem we're tackling together over the course of the series. It has never been more complicated to be a human being than right here, right now. Congratulations. You got more things pulling at you, more opinions, more noise, more demands, more options, 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 more conflicting information coming at you than any human being's ever in history and consequently we are sort of swamped and overwhelmed and many of us are anxious in the midst of this massive influx of all the information and all the options and all the noise at our disposal wisdom cuts through the noise the clutter and the chaos wisdom is the sure path beneath our feet wisdom gives you the ability to sort through the noise and the chaos what actually matters what kind of matters and what can i just discard and ignore entirely wisdom helps us to put things in their proper place so that you might know peace wouldn't peace be a nice thing in the midst of the chaos to be a non-anxious peaceful settled person wisdom is strong it is sure but it's not necessarily safe the path of wisdom if you follow it might take you places you would rather not go it might stretch you in ways that you'd rather not be stretched but it's good the path of wisdom is full of the presence of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the power of God, a resilience that you can't get anywhere else or any other way. It is life-giving to you and anyone else who will participate in it with you. The invitation throughout the course of the series is to walk in the way of wisdom. Now, I grew up in the church and that was a pretty positive experience for me, but I know that's not true for everyone some of you have no church background we're so glad you're here welcome 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 and uh, others of you grew up in the church but it wasn't that much of a big deal to you or your family maybe you all just kind of went through the ritual of it kind of going through the motions uh maybe uh the reason why church didn't come home after a sunday morning was because it seemed like nothing that happened at church had anything to do with the rest of life the, church, the people at church that were, that were held up as the wise people, they knew maybe a lot about the Bible or had a lot of opinions about God, but nothing they talked about had anything to do with your family's problems. The money problems, the work drama, the extended family drama, the hopes, dreams, ambitions of a, a parent or both of your parents. So what happened for many of us is there was this thing called church, and it was good for people who were into that kind of religious thing. But for the real life problems, you weren't looking to church or religion for any help because it didn't seem like any help was available. It was just sort of a lot of abstract ideas that had nothing to do with the real world or real life, the things that you have to deal with day in and day out. I think that this is a tragedy because here's what the scriptures teach and here's what people have sort of tested and found to be true, that God's wisdom, it works. Like it works in that when you, it works in every possible application of the word. Like it works in that if you if you implement it into your life, it actually does bring order out of chaos. It actually does help you to sort of navigate life in a more fruitful, life-giving kind of a way. The other thing about God's wisdom working is it works like a verb, like it goes to work. Like everywhere God's wisdom is implemented, it like brings a different kind of energy. It is fruitful, it's life-giving, it's not some 
guru on a hill thinking kind of abstract thoughts, kind of far away. It actually does go to work. When you put God's wisdom to work, it goes to work to help you to navigate your medical problems. You put God's wisdom at the center of your life. It goes to work helping you to navigate your marriage conflicts, helping to navigate the problems you have with your small kids and your grown kids. You put God's wisdom at the center of your life. It goes to work setting things in order, bringing you to places that are good for you and good for the people around you. God's wisdom actually goes to work in a way that is creative and fruitful and life-giving. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what does it mean for us to go to work alongside God's wisdom? What does it mean for us to sort of implement and participate in God's wisdom as God's wisdom works in every sense of the word? Now, the person that spends the most amount of time throughout the Bible talking about wisdom is a guy named Solomon. Solomon wrote uh, Proverbs, or at least a good chunk of the Proverbs. He's alive around 1000 BC, and there's all kinds of reflections on what wisdom is and how do we get wisdom. And one of his favorite things to talk about is how wisdom was involved in God creating all the things. Like when God goes to work creating the world, he goes to work, and wisdom is a part of that. So we're going we're gonna to look at a, at a proverb, Proverb 8, that talks about how wisdom goes to work. Now, in the backdrop of Solomon's original audience, right, this is a thousand years before Jesus, uh, he's writing to a Jewish audience, and everyone in the Jewish audience knows and understands that God was the one who created all things. In fact, the very first page of the Bible talks about how God goes to work creating all things, and this is in the bones of every single ancient Jew who Solomon is talking to in that reading his proverb. In fact, here's Genesis 1, page 1 of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, and there was, and God said, and there was, and there God said, and there was. That's Genesis 1. That's in the backdrop of every ancient Jew who's reading these proverbs that Solomon is writing. So Solomon's going to talk about in Proverbs chapter 8 how the Lord used wisdom to do all this great work. So I'm going to highlight a few words. Look at how many things wisdom comes before. And just watch how wisdom goes to work as we're in Proverbs 8 starting in verse 22 is what it says. The Lord brought me, that's wisdom personified, forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. Now watch what wisdom does. I was there when he set the heavens in place. When he marked out the horizon of the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out... The foundations of the earth then. I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day. Rejoicing always in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world. Delighting in all mankind. The joy of wisdom. A couple weeks ago was my daughter's birthday. One of my daughter's birthdays. And uh, she had an old basketball hoop and loves basketball. So we got her a new basketball goal. Now, of course, when you make a purchase of a new basketball goal, it does not come fully assembled. Amen? It came in like the largest box I'd ever seen in my life. And it had 10 million pieces to it. And a, like a, a manual that was approximately the length of War and Peace. <laughs> now, I've humbly and faithfully confessed here before, I'm not very handy. Now, this is one of my many character flaws. 
not handy, especially in Chatham County where everyone is handy. Everyone could be a handyman, but no one wants to be a handyman because who would hire a handyman because they don't need a handyman. And the worst thing in Chatham County is to say you need anything, especially a handyman. I, however, have no such hang-ups. I am delighted to hire anyone to do anything. So we have a great guy, our facilities guy around here, Keith Ritchie, he's a great guy on staff. I said, Keith, not a church job. Can I pay you to put together the most complicated basketball goal in human history? He said, sure, we said time. He said initially he didn't want to accept payments. And then he watched a YouTube video for how to assemble it and realized he should have charged me double. <laughs> so we're out there one uh, hot afternoon slugging away. And my job is basically to stay out of the way and to hold things. So he says hold things, right, and hand them tools where I'm supposed to hand them tools, right. So that's what we're doing. And so uh, as we're walking through, trudging through War and Peace, the longest ever manual. Now, uh, early on at one point in the process, we, we need a socket wrench. And I've got some of my measly tools out there with me, and I hand him my old-fashioned socket wrench. Now, he looks at my socket wrench, my old-fashioned manual socket wrench. He reaches into his bag of tricks, and he pulls out a power socket wrench. <laughs> and he says to me, the right tool makes all the difference. And that's my key to becoming a handyman. All I need is more power tools, right, guys? Is that what I need? Just more power tools would totally change my whole outlook as a handyman. Well, thanks to Keith and his extensive power tool collection, we have a fantastic basketball goal now in our driveway. We brought over a, a special guest to help us break it in. Uh, and uh, here's our special guest. I didn't know how he would do, uh, how it would hold up. I was afraid the rim would break off. But, man, I tell you what, those hydraulics were so hard to put together, it was amazing. So crazy. Okay, not really. That's... That's not real. There's our real basketball goal. Put together, thanks to the Keith Ritchie and I'm, and a very, very small contribution on my part whatsoever. But you get the right person with the right tools. Changes everything. Before in the beginning, God created the power tool of wisdom to create everything else. Before in the beginning, first thing God does, before, 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 God puts wisdom in place, creates it. And says, from this, I'm going to create everything else. The psalmist writes that he was, the wisdom was the first of his works. From in the very beginning, before the very beginning, where the world came to be. Before the mountains, before the hills, before he made the world, before any of the foundation, the dust of the earth. Now, this is a poetic reflection. You don't want to read too much technical into it. But it's communicating a core truth that before in the beginning, God creates the tool of wisdom in order to create and build everything else and this is really important what's wisdom for not just thinking deep thoughts not just sort of pondering the realities of life although that's important that's good writing books teaching like all that's good stuff wisdom is for making things wisdom's for doing something making something beautiful strong enduring now it might be important here for us to differentiate knowledge and wisdom right so knowledge just just the acquisition Acquisition, acquisition, acquisition of information, right? Just knowing a lot of stuff. You know people who know a lot of stuff that aren't especially wise. Wisdom, on the other hand, is to discern, understand, see a situation, a person, a dynamic, to have insight into it, and then to respond excellently to help produce and land in the range of the best possible outcome. Right? Not every outcome is going to be ideal or idyllic. But wisdom is seeing the thing 
as it really is and seeing it maybe a little bit differently. When we talked about this in my small group, we talked about people who were wise. One of the things that came up was like people who are wise just see it a little bit better, see it a little bit clearly, see it a little bit more deeply, right? In a situation, a person, a dynamic, a problem. And then they respond excellently. That matches pitch that can produce the, the range of best possible outcomes. We all know stuff. We all know people who know a lot of stuff that aren't very wise. But conversely, we all know, many of us know people that don't have a ton of education, have head knowledge, but have all kinds of wisdom. One woman in my small group talked about a woman when she was growing up who had no more than a fifth grade education, one of the wisest people she had ever met. Solomon declares, before in the beginning, God creates Wisdom, not just knowledge, not just sort of knowing stuff, actually wisdom that goes to work. And look what wisdom does. Like, he creates this beautiful world out of wisdom. And isn't this world great? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't spring in North Carolina fantastic? I mean, other than pollen season. Clearly a result of the fall. <laughs> Once you survive pollen, have you seen the green? Wisdom creates beauty, creates Goodness creates a space and a place for human beings and all the rest of the earth, all the rest of the created order to flourish and come alive. Wisdom goes to work, right? Wisdom set the heavens. Wisdom marked out the horizon. Wisdom established the clouds. Wisdom gave the sea its boundary and marked out the foundations of the earth. Now again, as Solomon writes this, him and all his fellow Jews, they all have Genesis 1 kind of beating in their heart, right? The creation account that we looked at, the or opening lines of the Bible, which says, God, in the beginning was this thing. In the beginning was, this is how God, this is how the, the, uh, the writer describes what the earth was like before in the beginning. That was the earth was formless. And that word formless literally means translated chaos. There was just chaos, empty, darkness. So what does God do? God speaks creates this thing called wisdom. And what does wisdom do? Wisdom goes to work bringing order out of the chaos. Isn't that a good description of what wisdom does? Wisdom steps into the chaos in the beginning and says chaos is not going to swamp us. I'm going to create something. I'm going to create order. I'm going to create structure out of this chaos so that flourishing might actually happen. My friends, when chaos is swallowing up your family, you're in a hard family situation. When chaos is swallowing up your workplace, you need to go on Indeed and look for another job. When chaos is swallowing up your body and cells are reproducing out of control and creating a cancer, that's not how God intended it. We weren't made for chaos. When your school feels like it's in chaos, we weren't made for chaos. Chaos is not what we were made for. We can't thrive in chaos. It can literally, like emotionally and psychologically and even physically sometimes, cause all kinds of problems in us and in our spirits when we're swamped up by chaos. So wisdom steps into the chaos and creates order, right? Sets, marks out, establishes boundaries, kind of puts some things in place. Wisdom goes to work to bring order out of the chaos. Now here's the trick. We weren't made for chaos, but too much order, too much structure suffocates us, right? So we have this, we have this tension, but we're so, we're so anxious about chaos. Many of us are so anxious about chaos that what we do is we crave and, and look for order. In fact, some people, and maybe you've had this experience, some people will stay in a horrible friend group because here's order, here's chaos. Some people join gangs. I need some order, need some chaos. Some people stay in 
uh, are stuck in unhealthy family relationships. Some people are stuck in really, really unhealthy, chaotic job situations. In fact, what happens we see in nations is nation states, when they're on the edge of chaos, what they do is they reach for often a dictator. You see this in governments over and over and over again because anxiety, we're so anxious about the chaos, someone promises order to bring order. So what people do is they give their freedom away to a government that promises order. But here's what happens when you're with someone who demands you give their, your, all your freedom away in order, to have, in order for them to have authority over all your things. Eventually, they take more and more and more and more. And so what you have in, throughout the course of human history, all over again, over and over again, is people give away the freedom, give away the freedom, give away the freedom to a government. Then eventually, they get tired of it. They throw a revolution, which introduces chaos into the system to kind of move it over out of the sort of rigid, oppressive system into a more free system and the pendulum goes back and forth and back and forth this happens in nation states all the time all throughout history you know what we are made for there's a sweet spot somewhere in the middle the right amount of order that pushes back chaos holds it at bay and then the right amount of freedom to allow us to be the men and women God designed us to be, to be flourishing human beings, that we might become the people that God designed us to be, that we might have, bring our creativity and our energies and God's love and God's spirit to work in us and through us to make the world a beautiful place. We need the sweet spot between sort of that chaotic world and the oppressive order that gets offered over and over again. You know what that sweet spot is called? That sweet spot's called godly wisdom. That's what it's, that's what it's called. The, the wisdom that brings a right amount of order that produces freedom. Because too much chaos doesn't produce freedom, it just produces chaos and anarchy. And so let's, let's sort of fill out our definition a little bit of what wisdom does. Wisdom goes to work to bring order out of the chaos. Well, it's not quite that. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Godly wisdom goes to work to bring life-giving, not stifling, order out of chaos. Resulting in flourishing for anyone and everyone who's willing to participate. And not everyone's going to participate. You've had seasons of your life where you didn't care about wisdom. You didn't want what wisdom had to offer, right? You've had seasons of your life where you're like, I don't want wisdom. I don't care what wisdom says. I'm going to do my own thing. You have people in your life. You, of course, are the fount of all wisdom in your family. And you have people in your family who don't want to hear what you, who don't want to hear what you have to say. Don't care about godly wisdom. But for all who will participate in it, all who will participate in it, who will allow it to have its way in their lives, godly wisdom brings life-giving, not stifling, order out of chaos and flourishing for everyone who will participate. Some of you feel the chaos very pointedly right now. You are in a chaotic family situation. You're in a chaotic workplace. You're in a chaotic school. Your grades feel like they're chaos. Your finances feel like they're in chaos. Some of you feel the larger chaos we feel as a community, as a state, as a nation, as a world. You feel it. You feel it. You feel all this chaos. You know what happens, and it can feel exhausting and overwhelming. You know what that's an invitation to do? Go be an image bearer. You were made in God's image to help bring order out of the chaos. Put wisdom to work. Put wisdom to work. And whatever place God has sent you, God has put you, where has God placed you right here, right now, to bring life-giving, not stifling, order out of your chaos? Not just your chaos, the world's chaos. And whatever sphere you have, whatever step you have, where has God placed you? Where has God put you? That you might do what God did. Bring forth God's wisdom to bear into a situation that needs a little bit of order. This could be a little bit overwhelming. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one prayer. A very simple prayer you can pray. Right? The prayer is, what's one, what's one wise step I can take? God, what's one wise step I can take? Because you might not be able to build the whole building of wisdom in one day. I mean, some of you can because you're gifted like that. 
Most of us, it's just the question, what's one wise step I can take? In the midst of this chaos, and there's all kinds of variables, all kinds of things I can't control, I would love to control this family member. I'd love to control this medical situation. I would love to control my boss or my manager or my company. I can't control those things, but is there one wise step I can take, God? What is it? Maybe I just need to talk to someone, talk to a friend. Maybe I need to get more people praying for me and praying with me for wisdom. Maybe I need to do some studying. Maybe I need to do some research. Maybe I need to gather up more information so I can apply it wisely. Maybe it's time for me to do something different. Maybe it's time for me to step out, take a new kind of risk. What's one wise step I can take, God? Now, here's the thing. When God shows you what that wise step is, don't duck. Because sometimes God's going to say, you know what the wise thing is. You're like, yep, can I pass on that? Can I go door number two? That wise step feels hard. That wise step feels like more than I want to do. That wise step feels like a risk. God, what's one wise step I can take? Sometimes you just need to shut up and listen and he'll reveal it. <laughs> sometimes it's right in front of you. And sometimes you'll have to pray this for days and days and days and even weeks on end. God, what's one wise step I can take? And then when that becomes somewhat clear, clear enough, I want to invite you, challenge you, take it. Take that step, whatever it might be, because God made you in his image to do what he did. Look at chaos. Bring wisdom to it that brings order out of that chaos. Now, one of the challenges is this. Every morning you wake up, and there's work for you to do. That work might be grandparenting. You might be taking a shower. It's a lot of work for some of you. That work might be, uh, that work might be kind of a, like hanging out with people, being with friends, family, caring for someone who's sick. That work might be going to work. That work might be going to school or being on the soccer team, right? Every day there's work for you to do that you wake up. And that's part of, that's a good thing. It's part of what makes us kind of human. God goes to work and we go to work too in a healthy way. That's really helpful for us to understand kind of who we are. But every day when you wake up, you are, there are other things that you could bring to work with you. Wisdom isn't the only tool in the toolbox, is it? There's other tools you bring with you to work. Whatever you do, whatever that work looks like. And some of those tools are much more familiar, much more comfortable. And some of those tools are what everyone else is using, what everyone else does. So one of my questions for you this morning is, what tools other than wisdom are you tempted to bring with you into your work? Again, whatever work is, we're going to find that really widely, really loosely. That's parenting, that's grandparenting, that's anything. What other tools other than wisdom are you tempted to bring with you as you go to work? Many years ago now, we had some stuff going on here at the church, some tensions between some people on our leadership team. And I knew that they were there. I knew that there were some situations kind of s slowly, quietly simmering beneath the surface. And if I, had if I had been bringing wisdom to work with me early on, you know what I would have done? I would have confronted it. I would have had hard conversations with multiple people. And just be like, hey, we got to work this out. You know what I brought with me to work instead? Fear and conflict avoidance. That's what I brought with me to work. I managed around a problem that wisdom demanded I step into, and I didn't do it. For days and days and weeks and weeks on end, I managed around, I brought fear and conflict avoidance with me to work rather than wisdom with me to work. And the result was, surprise, it didn't get better on its own. Shocking. It didn't just magically disappear. And by the time it finally surfaced, it was way bigger and way worse than it would have been if I had brought wisdom to work with me several months earlier. Fear and conflict avoidance, not the only things I bring with me to work. Sometimes it's comfort and convenience. That sounds like a lot of work. Don't want to do that. 
Sometimes it's control. I want to stay in control. Sometimes it's like bigger and better dreams and ambitions than actually are wise for me or for our church. Wisdom isn't the only thing that we have available to us to bring to work. What else other than wisdom are you most tempted to bring to work with you? What are the consequences? What are the outcomes? What happens when you bring something other than wisdom to work with you? As Solomon sits down to extol the virtues of wisdom, going to work, creating all things. He tags Genesis 1, right? This is, this is in the beginning. God creates all these things, and over the chaos, God speaks and brings order to that chaos. So he's, this is in the background of every good Jew who's reading this passage. And then he talks about how God, before in the beginning, creates the power tool of wisdom. Before, 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 wisdom is in place. And then wisdom is in place, not just for there to be deep thoughts and theory and philosophy. Wisdom goes to work to set the foundations of the earth. And this idea that wisdom is like a person that, that goes to work to create beauty and order. This is like, this captures the Jewish imagination for hundreds and hundreds of years. This idea of wisdom, it's actually, Solomon, we'll talk later in the series about, Solomon refers to her as lady wisdom that has gone to work to create beauty and order and flourishing. And this whole image of wisdom being a person that goes to work to create things, this captures the Jewish imagination for hundreds of years, such that several hundred years after Solomon writes these, this letter, this, this, this proverb, the apostle John sits down, one of Jesus' best friends. He wants to write a biography of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And he wants to talk to both Jews, and he wants to talk to Greeks and Romans, and to communicate the goodness of who Jesus is and the power of Jesus. And so when he opens up his, his letter, his biography to the, Jew, to the Jews and to the Greeks, here's what he draws. He draws on all this wisdom literature, and he declares this in John 1. In the beginning was the word. Now the word there is the word logos, logos. That's Greek for wisdom, order, the wisdom of the universe. That's what the Logos was. The wisdom and order of the entire universe. In the beginning was the Logos, the wisdom and order of the universe. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And just like Proverbs 8 says, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And then he says this, the crazy good news. The Logos, the order of the universe, the wisdom of the universe has become flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. My friends, I've got some really good news for you. Before in the beginning, there was wisdom. Wisdom has put on flesh and blood. His name is Jesus. You can trust him. You can follow him. He is wisdom embodied. Wisdom put on Flesh. He has stepped all the way into the chaos of what it means to be human and redeemed it. He has brought wise and life-giving order because there was all kinds of confused thinking. So he proclaimed truth. Everywhere he goes, there's, there's disordered bodies that are in chaos, that are not working rightly. And he touches them and he brings wisdom and order to those bodies. Everywhere Jesus goes, he's stepping into the chaos and bringing wise, life-giving order over and over and over Again, the first Christians were called the followers of the way. They walked in the way. You know what the way is? The way of wisdom. Jesus himself is our wisdom. If you follow him, you will walk in wisdom. And my friends, today, no matter what chaos you're feeling, whether you've been watching too much cable news, your phone's blowing up with too many headlines, or you just got stuff going on at work, at home, that is just more than you can handle. He won't fail. He won't 
laid the foundations of the earth. You can trust him. He created the color green. You can trust him. He set the hills in place. He dug the pits for the oceans to be filled up. You can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust him. Follow him. He is wisdom. The way of wisdom that cuts through all the noise. He created all things, and then in his wisdom, he stepped into the world to redeem all things. That you and I might be invited back onto the path of wisdom and the way of wisdom he invited us and made us for. This is what you were created for. Follow him. Trust him. He won't fail. Today's wildly important take-homes. God's wisdom works. So pray for and seek after wisdom. Prayer we talked about earlier. God, what's one step of wisdom I can take right here, right now, right? In fact, uh, James 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, just ask for it. God loves to give it. Like it's one, of the, it's one of the prayers that God loves to answer. Anyone lacks wisdom, ask for it, ask for it, ask for it. And then, but if you're, if you're going to ask for it, don't then duck, right? If you're going to ask, if God shows you wisdom, you can't then say, no, I want door number two. Because listen, here's what happens. When we harden our hearts to God's wisdom, we stop hearing God. Don't harden your heart and it shows you something that's wise. Walk in it. Take the risk. Have the hard conversation. Try the thing. Some of us, my friends, some of you, some of the reason why we're stuck in chaos is because you're tangled up in something the Bible calls sin. Sin always either introduces chaos or oppression. That's what sin does. Now, it promises all kinds of freedom. That's the lie of sin. But it really does. Whenever we sin, we introduce more chaos to our lives than to the world. And or we become oppressors, people who are kind of stuck in places that are stifling or we create stifling environments. If you are stuck in a space of sin, the best answer to your prayer, God, what's the next wise thing? What's one wise step I could take would be to step away from sin and step on the path of wisdom. Pray for it. Seek out the wisdom of God. Secondly, where has God put you to be a part of his work of creating life-giving, not stifling, order of the chaos for anyone who participated in it? And again, you can't force other people to participate in life-giving wisdom and order, but you can create conditions that facilitate that, that foster that. You can be wise in how you treat people who are your enemies. You can be wise in how you treat people who are your rebellious kids. You can be wise in how you treat your terrible in-laws. All those things are opportunities for you to step out and image bear, be just like God, bring his wisdom to this space that creates flourishing for you and invites other people into that space as well. What else other than wisdom are you most tempted to bring to work with you? What are the results? What else other than wisdom are you tempted to bring to work with you? What are those results? What happens when we get hung up in those spaces. Can you look back over your life and say, oh, I should have brought wisdom to that situation. Instead, I brought something else. And the results backfired on me. And then finally, wisdom has put on flesh. His name is Jesus. Trust him. Follow him. Bring him to work with you. Trust him. Follow him. Bring him to work with you. See, as a church, as a community, we want to be a church that follows Jesus into this. This is why we're doing Chatham Serves next Sunday. We want to bring God's wisdom to bear to our neighbors, right? We want to bring God's wisdom to bear to bless and love and serve our neighbors, to bring beauty and order out of the chaos. 
This is what Chatham Service is all about. We want to live wisely. Wisdom goes to work. We're not going to sit here and just talk about big ideas about God. We're going to actually work out these ideas about God to actually love and serve our neighbor. At, today at noon, we're having the Christian Business Collaborative gathering. The whole idea behind the Christian Business Collaborative is that there's godly wisdom that can help business flourish. Come be a part of it. Come and see. We're going to talk about Chick-fil-A. You want to talk about a business? Chick-fil-A, right? People who love Jesus and created one of the best franchises in American history because they're following Jesus on the way of wisdom. Isn't that fantastic? Come be a part of it. My prayer and hope would be that we would have all kinds of things down the road, not just Christian business collaborative, but Christian educators collaborative for all you teachers and Christian medical collaborative for all the folks who are in medicine. There's different challenges and issues at different places, right, in different domains and different spheres. We're all about how do we work out godly wisdom to create flourishing for all kinds of people. As a church, we want to do that. And then you individually, what does it mean for you to follow Jesus, the one who is all wisdom, who put on flesh? Follow him, trust him, he is good. Whatever chaos you're up against here today, whether it's on your news feed, in your social media news feed, or in your own heart, or in your extended situation, your work, or your marriage, or at school, follow him, trust him. He is wise, he is true, he is good. He invites you and me onto his way of wisdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being wisdom in the flesh. Thank you for being wisdom that puts on flesh. The same wisdom that created the world steps in to redeem the world. So we want to be men and women of wisdom who walk in the way of wisdom. Help us, help us, help us to do this. I pray for my friends who are here who feel the anxiety, the weight of the chaos around them. Again, whether it's at home or at school or at work or in their finances or medical situation, Lord Jesus, would they take that prayer? What's, Lord God, what's one wise step I could take? Would that be a prayer that they repeat over and over and over again for the, for the week, for maybe for weeks and days on end? And Lord, would you be kind to open up our eyes to see it? Lord, would we be aware and awake to where you've placed us to be instruments of wisdom? I pray Chatham Community Church would be a place that is generously pouring out life-giving wisdom to our community in really tangible, practical ways. Come Holy Spirit, make us people of wisdom. Help us to repent of things that we gathered up apart from wisdom that distract us from the path of wisdom. And then Lord Jesus, thank you for being wisdom embodied. And for my friends who are here, who are still wrestling with what does that mean is that God would put on flesh that aren't sure they believe any of this. Come Holy Spirit, would you open up all of our eyes to see the God who loved us so much. His son, wisdom, put on flesh, lived among us suffered, bled, and died, rose again to redeem all the chaos, to bring beauty and life-making order now and forevermore. We worship him. We trust him. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't fail. He won't. His name is Wisdom. And we follow you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name.